You want to scoop me up? Is that what it is? Oh, okay. All right. Hello? Yeah, that's already better. Mm-hmm. All right. We're ready for the word? Amen. Make this confession. Say, I love the word. I love the word. Say, the word, the word is the only thing with the power to change my life. Amen. Let's go to Habakkuk 2. Hallelujah. In Habakkuk 2, he says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but in the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. In this, in the, in, in verse three, it says, for the vision of the, is yet for an appointed time, but in the end, it shall speak. It shall not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. It almost seems like a contradiction. He says, though it tarry, wait for it, yet it will not tarry. Well, that word wait there doesn't mean just sit back. It means to stay in a place, is to stay in a place of expectation. So notice what he says. He says, the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. What is the appointed time when your faith can handle it? He says, and when your faith can handle it, he said, it seems like it's tarrying when your faith can't handle it. He said, but as soon as your faith grows up, it won't tarry. He said, for the just shall live by his faith. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, in order to be successful in the kingdom of God, you must live by faith. Hallelujah. Let's go to Hebrews 10. Say, I'm a faith walker. Got to live by faith. Hebrews 10, verse 38. It says, now the just shall live by, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It says, but we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. He says, all right, look here. He says, the just shall live by faith. Those that have been justified shall live by faith. What is faith? Faith is complete and utter trust in the reliability of God. Faith is complete and utter trust in the reliability of God. It says, if you're going to be justified, you must live by your complete and utter trust in the reliability of God. That what God says he will do, he will do it. That God cannot lie, that he does not turn back on his promises. He says, and if you are not convinced that God is who he says he is and does what he says he can do, he says, my soul can have no pleasure in you. He says, and in fact... My soul can't have any pleasure with you because it is your unbelief that keeps you from receiving the very thing that you're believing for or trying to believe for or the thing that you're hoping for. Now, in Hebrews 11 and 1, if you just keep going in the next verse, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance. My utter trust in God, my trust in God's reliability has to become a substance on which I build my life. I have to do what I do because I believe what God said. 
I have to not do what I don't do because I believe what God said. I have to live my life based on what God said. It says that when my trust, my faith in God becomes a substance for me, then the things I am hoping for will become reality in my life. Now, one of the hardest things it is to do sometimes is to realize that even though you think you're believing God, you're believing God and you may be believing God at the best ability that you have right now, but it's not enough to manifest the promise. Well, instead of getting frustrated and getting discouraged, tell your neighbor, say, get more word. Instead of questioning, instead of going, I wonder why this not working. The answer is simple. Not enough word. I need more word. So I get more word until I become fully grounded, utterly convinced that what God has said, it is true. Now, it's really a hard thing to deal with to understand that for many of us, we want to trust God, but many of us have never been in a situation where we actually had to trust God. And what I mean by that is that most people rescue themselves by getting their hustle on in a pressure situation. Most people in a pressure situation get their hustle on. Whether their hustle is you take on a second job, you work additional hours, you ask mama them, but you, you stop tithing. But most people have never learned how to stand on God for themselves and find out that he is utterly faithful. Because when the pressure gets on, rather than learning to stand under the faith, you give back under the power and go back to what's comfortable for you doing. Now, the only problem with living like that is then the next time you enter into a faith battle, you don't have any victories behind you. So every faith battle is a new battle for you. And all you have is all the times you've quit before. But tell your neighbor, say, we're not the kind that quit and cave in. We got to go through it. Amen. First John 5 and 4, Pastor Edwin went over this scripture last week. I'm telling you, next week, next Saturday, when we have y'all for a day, your faith is going to go to another level. You're going to go to another level because something supernatural always happens when people will dedicate themselves for a time in the word. There is multiplication. Literally, there will be things. Pastor Edwin and I see it in our life every year when we watch the Believers Convention. You watch the Believers Convention and literally on Monday you'll start here and then by Tuesday morning you're in a whole nother place in what you have the ability to believe for because you have set a dedicated amount of time to sit and hear the word. Amen. First John five and four, he says, for whatsoever is born of God, say that's me. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is how we overcome our faith. The message translation says, what is it that brings the world to their knees? Our faith. How do I bring the world to its knees? How do I bring a bad credit report to its knees? Faith. How do I bring a bad doctor's report to his knees? Faith. How do I bring a relationship headed to divorce to its knees? Faith. My faith allows me to overcome. I have to be a person of faith. I cannot go through life just going to church and loving Jesus. I have to know what God said and have the tenacity to stand on it. Even when people are laughing at me, even when if I was me looking at me, I would be laughing at me. I got to stand on the word of God, fully persuaded that what God promised, he is also able to perform. That is the lineage, the faith that we come from. 
The Bible says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus being made a curse for us. It says, and if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What kind of faith did Abraham have? The kind of faith that even though he was 90 and didn't have a kid, he believed God anyway. The kind of faith that even though he had been married to a woman for decades and she had never produced a baby, took God at his word and said, we should surely have a seed so much that when God said, change your name, he changed your name. The Bible says in Romans 4, it says that he had the kind of faith that he was fully persuaded. Let's look at that. How do I know when faith becomes Bible faith? When I'm fully persuaded and I stop staggering. Faith becomes Bible faith when I'm fully persuaded and I stop staggering. When I'm no longer moved by what it is that I see. And in reality, most believers are moved by what they see because they spend more time looking at what they see than what God said. Or they spend more time just entertaining themselves with nothing, non-producing stuff. Romans 4. In verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before whom, before him in whom he believed, even God, which quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own circumstances, and being not weak in faith, he stopped considering his circumstances. When God said he was he stopped considering the doctor's report when God said he was getting a house he stopped considering the credit report when God said he was getting a new job he stopped considering his education and being not weak in faith he considered not his own inability to make it happen when I walk in faith I cannot consider anything but what God said what did God say what did God say And in reality, when we talk to people, when you hear us talk, you can tell what we believe by what we say. If I ask you how you're doing and the first thing you tell me is what the doctor said, what you believe is what the doctor said. But if I ask you how you're doing and you say I'm healed of the Lord, what you believe is what the Lord said. If I ask you how you're doing and you say, I don't know how I'm going to make it, you believe you don't know how you're going to make it. But if I ask you how you're doing and you say, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory, I know what you believe based on what you say. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he was 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise. Understand the only way you could stagger at something is that it's heavy. When God makes a promise to you, it's heavier than what you have the ability to handle. When God starts talking to you about getting you out of debt, and you've already looked that if you pay the way they tell you to pay, it's going to take you 30 years to get out of debt. It's easy to stagger at that. When God tells you that your body is healed, but the doctors say you only have a certain amount of time to live, it's easy to stagger at that. But the Bible says he didn't stagger under the weight of what God promised. Well, why didn't he stagger under the weight of what God promised? He was fully persuaded that he who promised was faithful to perform it. 
When God makes you the promise, the first thing you should do is stop looking at yourself. No, no. Did you hear what I said? When God makes you a promise, stop looking at yourself. You didn't make you the promise. If you had had the ability to do it, you wouldn't have needed God to make you a promise. When God makes you a promise, stop looking at anything other than what God said. Amen. Let's go to Mark 9. Tell your neighbor, say, faith has unlimited power. You have to expand your thinking of what faith can do. You have to expand your ability, your thinking about what you think faith can do. There is no situation that cannot be conquered by faith. There is no situation that you are facing that cannot be conquered by faith. There is no sickness that is not overcomable by faith. There is no financial position that is not overcomable by faith. All things are possible if you believe. Mark 9. Shout, I believe. I believe. Tell your neighbor, say, get stared in your believing. You hear what I'm telling you? I'm telling you, I do not have to know the specifics of your situation. What I know is that the man who trusts God with unwavering belief in God's reliability to do what he said cannot be stopped or contained by what he is facing today. You cannot be stopped or contained if you will believe God. Tell your neighbor, say, I can't be stopped and I can't be contained. Mark 9 and 23. Literally, faith takes the limits off your life. In the natural, you have limited ability. In the natural, you have limited skills. You have limited resources. You have limited time. But in faith, all things are possible. So what was impossible to you in your natural ability becomes possible to you if you walk in faith. He said, Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible. Tell your neighbor, say, that means unlimited. He said, all things are possible. If I can believe, all things are possible. Nobody's ever done it before. All things are possible. Nobody's ever seen it before. All things are possible. Do you realize that you are living right now experiencing things that were impossible a decade ago, a generation ago? Do you understand that I am 38 years old and that at 38 Facebook was unheard of? It is un, it was unthinkable that you could talk to thousands of people and keep up with them simultaneously sitting from your computer or your phone. Somebody had an idea and they wouldn't allow the limitations that they faced in the natural to stop them. Think about things in your life that you have seen take place that didn't take place. We were looking at our kids. Why? Because all things are possible if you believe. Just a natural example. Our, I guess Chase and Caleb were seven. Chase was seven when the DS came out. The DSR, whatever it was, about seven years old. Well, Canaan can already play the DS better than, than he could play it at seven. And she's just four. Why? Because when you're exposed to something, it now stretches your capacity to believe that you can do it. 
So she doesn't look at a DS and go, oh, I've never seen one of these before. She, growing up, she was watching her brothers play with DSs in her mind saying, if they can do it, I can do it. Let this word be the model for you of what you can do. If you get in this word, if you spend more time in this word, if you saturate yourself with this word, then all of the impossibilities in your life will begin to fade away. And then you will look up and you will be doing things that you only dreamed about doing. And you'll be like Canaan. You'll be doing it for what other people had to wait till they were seven to do. Why? Because you dare to believe. All things are possible if we believe. I got to stretch you because there's really no point in talking about any of the rest of this stuff until you understand all, all, everything, anything that you can imagine, anything that you could conceive is possible if you believe. So if you're not seeing it, you don't believe. Because all things are possible if you believe. Mark 11 and 23. Mark eleven twenty two, we say it all the time. He says, have faith in God. Have God kind of faith. Whosoever shall say unto this situation. Whosoever shall say unto this situation. Not whosoever shall talk about this situation. Whosoever shall say unto this situation. Faith people ought not be saying stuff like I'm going through. Faith people should say I'm overcoming. Faith people should say I'm coming out. Faith people should say, I'm not moved by what I see. Faith people should say, I command this sickness to dry up and get out of my body in the name of Jesus. Faith people should say, I command harvest to come in because I'm a giver in the name of Jesus. You cannot hold me in poverty because I am a tither. He says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. He shall, I got to believe it. And then when I say what I believe, I'll have it. Tell you never say, when I say what I believe, I have it. When I say what I believe, I have it. Unlimited. When I say what I believe, I will have it. You say you broke, you broke. You say you abundantly supplied, you're abundantly supplied. Because you will have whatsoever you say. You say you got to work hard to make that money, you got to work hard to make that money. You have whatsoever you say. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6. Say, my faith is growing now. I'm telling you, you got to understand this. Your faith is growing. You got to challenge yourself to grow. You got to challenge yourself to be stared by this word. Because if you don't learn how to live by faith, if you don't learn how to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, you're going to be less stuck living to what the world says you can have. So you'll be blessed when they say it's time to be blessed and you'll recess when they say it's time to recess. You have to use your words. You have to use your faith in order to live. You have to say what God is saying when it's unpopular. You have to say what God is saying when it makes other people mad. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6 and 16. Say my faith is growing. Ephesians 6 and 16, it says, above all, do what? Take the shield of faith. 
Take the shield of faith. Why should you take the shield of faith? If you take it, you will have the ability to quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith is your primary weapon against the enemy. You understand that he tells you to take that. He then goes on and tells them that you should use the word as a sword. But what good is the word as a sword if you don't have any way to defend So he gives you this shield and he says, use this shield to push back everything that's opposite of what I'm saying. Measure everything in your life by the word of God. It will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith is the answer to every satanic assault. Faith is the answer to every satanic assault. Whatever the enemy tries to do to you with faith, you can overcome. With faith, you can make it out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to look at this scripture. Romans, I think it's one. Hold on. Shout, my faith is growing. Romans 1 and 16. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto deliverance. Understand what he's saying here. He says, I will not be ashamed of the good news because when I believe that good news, it becomes power in my life. That's why two people can go to church sick and one of them believe the gospel of healing and leave healed and the other one go home sick because it comes power to those that believe. But if I go to church and I don't do and I do what they did in Hebrews, I hear the word, but I don't mix it with my faith. I don't challenge myself to believe God. I don't ask myself the tough questions. See, really the reason most people struggling in the recession is because the recession has forced most people to deal with tough questions. You said you believe God. Why are you so stressed out? Because you're not getting a check. You said God was your source. Why are you mad at them? Because they let you go then. You mad at them because in your mind they was really your source. The recession really is a great opportunity for believers to prove yourself. In the recession, I get to see what I really believe. When the wor- when the man and woman of God stand up and say to me, everybody will own a house. But the news say, ain't nobody buying a house. I get to see what I really believe. When the man and woman of God say every partner ought to make a minimum of 40,000. And if you make 40, you ought to make your age doubled. You get to see what you really believe. And when you tell me they're not hiring, I know you don't really believe. Because faith has creative ability. Hear me. Hear me and understand me. The power of faith. Faith is so powerful that if you needed a job that did not exist in Arkansas, your faith could create a company to come here and give you a job making $40,000. But you got to believe. Tina, say use your faith. Hear this. Faith without proof is fake. 
faith without proof is fake. There must be some demonstration of what it is that you say you believe. If there is no demonstration of faith, it is fake. It is religion. It is bondage. Revelation without the mixing of faith is frustration. You're quoting scriptures that you don't believe. You, uh, we know you don't believe them because in pressure, that's not what you quote. And in pressure, you cursing. Oh, yes, God. Yeah, Pastor, and when Pastor Sean, yes, we believe that God can heal our marriage. We do. We believe we're standing here. We're agreeing. We believe he make you mad. I'm leaving that so-and-so. I ain't got to put up with this. You don't believe. You don't believe. Because if you believe, you got to believe in the midst of craziness. No, 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 you didn't hear what I said. See, see, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not being a faith punk. This is what faith people say. Faith people say, why he cussing me out? I'm not moved by your cussing, baby. We go be together and we go love Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? That's what faith. Not I'm going to cuss him out and then after I'm crying, now God got to come back and tell me to say that. Faith believes what God says. Faith is now. I'm not moved by that. Cuss all you want to. You still go live for Jesus. Oh, yes, you are. Faith don't say to kids, I don't understand why you acting crazy. Faith say, I prophesy over you in the name of Jesus. You will live for the Lord. You will serve the Lord all the days of your life. I come against every stronghold that comes against you in the name of Jesus. So go on and thank you for having some fun. But the Holy Ghost go be right out there with you, waiting on you when you get up in that party. While you joking, the Holy Ghost gonna be telling you to come home. Why? Because I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going, you don't even understand it. Some of y'all been crazy in this ministry and the reason you didn't leave is because I stood out on my porch and I said, go get them, Holy Ghost. They belong to you. They cannot go anywhere but do what you said they going to do. You better know it. You better know it. You better know it. We have had people in this church that got caught up. You ask us about something. They say, how is so, how Sister Watermelon doing? Her life is redeemed from destruction. When the last time you talked to her, her life is redeemed from destruction. Do you know if she's coming back to church? Her life is redeemed from destruction. Because I refuse to allow the stupidity of your actions to make me let go of my faith. Because I know you don't want to be crazy. I know you don't want to be crazy. Faith without proofs is dead. My life is filled with proof that faith works. I believe what God said. We have a kid we can bring up in here right now to you to prove that we believe what God said. That everybody in this church who saw Jordan in January cannot deny that God has done something between January and now. And that Jordan can say and do things that she could not do then. Because we did not care about what those people said. And understand this, Pastor Elwin will tell you this. In a meeting, when a woman tried to tell me something about Jordan other than what God said, I was like, you ain't going to do me. Now, I done already told you who God says she is. Did you say that in the meeting? Absolutely. I'm not going to let people say something over my kid's life. 
I'm not gonna let you say nothing over my kid's life. You, you're not finna call mine ADHD, cause the Bible don't say nobody ADHD. You're not about to do that. I declare in the name of Jesus, you got the mind of Christ. Faith, Hebrews 11. I'm gonna show you this, cause you need to understand this. Hebrews 11. Who glory? Verse 32, Hebrews 11, verse 32. Say, I walk by faith. faith. You don't just let the devil come in and take your marriage. You don't just let the devil come in and take your money. You don't just let the devil come in and take your health. You don't let the devil come in your house and take nothing. The Bible says he can't take nothing unless he binds you. So if he's taking your stuff, you bam, use the word and get free. Now, I'm like, Bijou, she just said that I heard that, that, that what you're not going to do. Now, let me tell you what you're not going to do. What you're not going to do is come up in 4172 and make nobody sick. Now, that's what you're not going to do. Amen. What you're not going to do is bring the spirit of strife up in 4172 or 1150 New Museum War Road, wherever we are, this building right here. You understand that if you don't stand guard over what God has entrusted in your life, if you don't stand guard over what God has entrusted in your life, that the enemy will run up in there and whoop you every which way but loose. That is his job. His job is to bind you up. My goodness. We're going to look at this scripture and then we're going to talk about a couple of points you can look at to see where your faith is working. Y'all learn anything this morning? If you don't learn nothing this morning, I hope you learn how to fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith says I don't back in, I don't back down, cave in, or quit. I do not back down, I don't cave in or quit. In fact, when you start messing with me, you make me take more territory than I intended to take. You started out messing with me and I'd have been okay just to get my bills paid. But now you made me get in the word and find out I'm supposed to be debt free. I'm going to get that too. And then I'm going to teach other people to be debt free. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11. It says, and what shall I say further? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jethe of David and Samuel and of the prophet, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Who through faith brought kingdoms to their knees. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. Did you hear me? Who through faith could subdue do you understand that right now the credit system is a kingdom that by faith you can subdue that kingdom health care is a kingdom by faith you can subdue that kingdom through their faith they subdued they brought under submission they just went on back to genesis when he said i have given you the power now subdue they said this don't look like god It says they subdued kingdoms, they wrought righteousness, and they obtained promises. None of that stuff is stuff that they were just sitting back there passively watching Jerry Springer, hoping it was going to happen. They got involved in the fight. They said, this is what God says belong to me. I'm getting it, and you better get out of my way. Shut the mouth of lions. Now, people always be talking about how great it would be to live in Bible times. But you crying because your creditors call you. You know you would cave in and quit if they was going to put you in the lines then. 
Now, now that's just the truth. You, you can, you, I mean, you, if you, if you think you ain't going to get paid. Now, if you imagine, he say, if you don't bow, well, what I'm going to do is, now, Lord, I'm bowing halfway, but I ain't really, I want you, I want you to know I still love you, but it's just wisdom to do it that way. It's just, it, 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 it would just be wisdom to bow a little bit. If you bow, you burn. If you don't bow, you don't burn. Why? Because when you stand in faith, God creates. Understand this, that literally what happened to David, I mean to Daniel when he went in the lion's den, is that his, his mortality was swallowed up by his immortality. That's why they couldn't kill him in the lion's den. When you walk in faith, you release the divinity of God over your life. The divinity then swallows up your immortality. So what should kill a natural man can't kill you because you in faith. Literally, that's the reason that they could not kill David in the lion's, I mean, Daniel in the lion's den. Because when Daniel was in the lion's den, he walked around as God. He was covered in the glory of God. So they could not smell the flesh. That people that they desire to eat. How do you know they was hungry? As soon as they threw them other men in. The Bible says they ate them before they hit the ground. They jumped up out the air and grabbed them and started eating them. They was hungry. But but Daniel's faith. Literally understand what faith does. The Bible says in 1 Peter. It says that we are born of an incorruptible seed. So when your faith starts to operate, your faith, which is incorruptible, swallows up what's corruptible. So if you have a corruptible liver in your body and you get in faith, then the divinity in you swallows up the corruptible. The incorruptible swallows up the corruptible and that's why your liver is repaired. That's why you don't need a transplant. When you get in faith... You release the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you now in seed form. Your faith allows it to spread out and begin to cover up your world. Pushing out everything that's corrupt. Pushing out everything that's sick. Pushing out everything that's broke. Pushing out everything that's bound. And then you walk around just like God. Ooh, that's good stuff right there. Did you hear what I said? Your faith requires God to activate in you what makes God God. Your faith requires God to activate in you what makes God God. Well, do you suppose that if Jesus was in a recession, he'd be cutting back? Do you suppose that if Jesus had a bad doctor's report, he'd be making funeral arrangements. What do you suppose that Jesus would do? He would allow his abiding with the Father to cause the incorruptible. Literally, what it means is your faith allows you to live under glory. The same glory that they lived under before seeing. Your faith connects you back to that. Your faith says we don't allow anything in here except what God himself would allow if he was here. Well, God himself is here. He's living on the inside of me. In fact, I was explaining this to my kids the other day. 
because I was trying to explain to my kids the substitution principle of what Jesus did for us. And finally, I got a light bulb went on. I said, here's the substitution principle. You are about to get a spanking. You are laying on the bed. The sentence has been imposed. Your sibling comes in and says, don't spank them. Spank me instead. That is the substitution principle. You were cursed on your way to hell, designed to live in hell on earth. Jesus steps in and says, don't put their penalty on them. Put their penalty on me. He says, now, in exchange, I'm going to give them what makes me me. Ask your neighbor, say, why are you bound then? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Shout, I'm free. Shout, I'm free. Do you understand that if you use your faith, debt must come under your feet? If you use your faith, sickness must come under your feet. Do you understand that if you use your faith, rebellious children cannot live and be in your family? They must come to God. They must surrender to God. They must live for God. You don't even have to argue with them. You'd be like, I don't already tell you who you are. And I declare... And so then you don't even let fear make you say things like, what you think going to happen to you if you keep doing this? Lord, preserve their life from destruction until the Holy Spirit can change their heart and bring them to you. They shall live and not die. They shall live and not die. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to give you all these points and then we're going to wrap it up. Can you all take some points? 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. Tell your neighbor, say, so you got to examine yourself. And determine whether you're in faith. See, what happens is, is that when I have to tell you that you're not in faith, it get on your nerves. But if you would just let the Lord tell you by the word that you're not in faith, you could get set free. You all offended with me. You all salty toward me. But you wouldn't have to be salty if you would examine yourself. First Corinthians 13, 5. Uh, no, no, no. Must be second Corinthians. Hold on. Hold on. Where is it? I'm like, Sister Glory, hold on. Let me find my scripture because this is good. Take Corinthians 13, 5. It says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in ye, except ye be reprobates? He says, examine your own self and see whether you're in the faith. Ask yourself, why did I make this decision? Ask ask yourself, why did I tell them I could give them the money on that day? Ask yourself, why did I agree to take this medicine? Ask yourself and see whether you're in the faith. Examine yourself and see whether you are in the faith. Am I telling you not to take medicine? No, there are absolutely times that God tells people to take medicine. He knows where their faith is. But there will be absolutely times, I believe that Sister Sandra is our testimony in here, that she had cancer in her body and God told her don't take chemo and don't take radiation. And everybody told her to take chemo and radiation. And my understanding is is that even if you know Sister Sandra, she has a very laid back personality. But my understanding is that even in the doctor's office when he was talking to her, she said, I'm not taking that because the Lord says I'm healed examine yourself and see whether you in the faith she got aggressive about what god said so examine yourself and see in the faith and let's determine let's look at these five things to determine what maybe why our faith isn't working because if faith is unlimited power 
Faith is just simply unlimited power. But I have the ability to access in my life. Let's look at these things right here and let's see if maybe we can determine why our faith isn't producing. All right. First thing I need to ask myself. Am I spiritual or am I just a church person? Am I spiritual or am I just a church person? First Corinthians 2 and 14. Am I spiritual or do I just go to church? Now, before you judge yourself, understand, just because you shout don't mean you're spiritual. Just because you serve don't mean you're spiritual. First Corinthians 2 and 14. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the carnal man is the man who, when he gets an instruction from God, he talks about how stupid the instruction was. He is the man that says, that don't make no sense. He's the man that says, that's not wisdom. He's the man who always tries to trump an instruction with God with something natural that makes sense that he can understand. So ask yourself, am I spiritual or am I just a church person? The Bible tells us in Romans 8, it says, for to be carnally minded is death. So when I am a man who considers the things of God to be foolishness, I will constantly experience death in my life. Because God will give me instruction that does not make sense to me, to my natural mind. But if I follow that instruction, it will cause me to prosper. But because I refuse to follow that instruction, it will cause me to end up in a situation of death. One of the things I told the people in our church in, in Northwest Arkansas that you really need to think about is that is that you literally can beg God into giving you things that he doesn't want you to have. You can beg God so that he'll back up and say, if you really want it, I'm going to try to shape this thing so you don't get hurt so much. Prime example, Israel. He told Israel over and over again, you do not need a king. You do not need a king. You do not. Please, we really need a king. You do not need a king. You do not need a king. Finally, he says, all right, they're adamant that they're going to have a king. I'm going I'm to I'm help them get a king. But you see. Not only was Saul a bad king, they did have some good, they had some good years with David and some good years with Solomon. But if you go back and you study, all of their problems happened because they were determined to have something that God told them not to have. Because they were determined to be satisfied, to be entertained, to be supplied by something other than God. Be careful. The carnal man is the man who seeks his satisfaction and his provision some other place than God. The carnal man is the man that seeks his satisfaction in his provision some other place than God. I'm just going to say it and tell the truth. If you have more fun drinking wine than you do in church, you carnal. I'm just going to tell you. If you have more fun kicking it than you do at church, you carnal. Because the Bible says that this word is life. It's life. Let me tell you how you carnal. You carnal, if if somebody starts talking about foolishness, you can laugh and joke for four hours. But if somebody talk about the word in five minutes, you over there on the couch going to sleep. You carnal. You carnal. You carnal. I'm just telling you because the Bible says to examine yourself so you can see. And that's why when God gives you an instruction, when it don't make sense to you, if you don't do it. 
And when you have an opportunity to get faith so that it could make sense to you, you so bored you don't do it. All right. Number two, am I committed to walking in the truth that has been revealed to me? Am I committed to walking in the truth that has been revealed to me? Am I committed to walking in the truth that has been revealed to me? Off the cuff, we could take giving. I say that I believe in giving. I say it's been revealed to me from scripture that I'm supposed to give. But when I get in a pressure situation, the first thing I do is look for somebody to give to me instead of for an opportunity to give. Am I committed to the truth that I say that I believe? Another one would be fasting. I say I believe that prayer, that, that, that prayer and fasting releases supernatural power. But I don't fast unless the church call a fast. And if the church call a fast with an undiagnosed amount of time, I spend most of the days of the fast asking somebody if they know when the fast going to be over. Am I committed to walking in the truth that has been revealed to me? I say that I believe that the righteous, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, but prayer bores me. I go to the bathroom three times in the huddle. Somebody say, make confessions, I don't open my mouth, carnal. Somebody say, lift my hands, I don't lift my hands, carnal. That's why I don't receive. Am I committed to walking in the truth that I say is the truth? Not what you say. I'm not saying you have to pray in tongues if you don't have any revelation of praying in tongues, but you believe that you ought to pray whether you have a revelation of praying in tongues or not. So we say pray, and while we praying, you, you texting, carnal. And you ain't texting prayers to people. You just texting. Number three. Do I have a good conscience? First Peter 1 and 19. Say I'm growing up. So my faith can work. Where did I say go? I'm, I'm sorry. First Timothy. First Timothy 1 and 19. I hope that's right. Shout, I'm being changed. Understand, just like you have to discipline your body to exercise, you have to discipline your soul to hear word. You have to discipline your soul to hear word. Your soul is an enemy until God, until with God until it has been transformed. You have to discipline your soul to hear word. And you can tell who listens to word when they not in church by how they act in church. They sleep. I mean, like, dude, I'm like, like, I am probably one of the most entertaining people you ever go have preach to you. If you can sleep on me, you carnal. You are carnal. You are. You carnal. I, don't, I ain't monotone. I be up here telling my business. Then I get to hollering and you sleep. I am hollering. I'm saying, believe God, and you sleep. <laughs> Carnal, do you have a good conscience? Amen. Listen, this is the truth. This is about you being carnal and sleeping in church. I have heard people tell me that they listen to my CDs at night and, and they put it on repeat and they wake up because I yell. Now I'm yelling in here to you and you still sleep. Carnal. First Timothy 1 and 19, it says, having faith 
and a good conscience. Is my conscience clear? Am I offended? Am I carrying junk? Am I always, let me deal with this good conscience. Are you always aggravated with somebody? Good conscious people, they people, people without good conscience is people who know how many haters they got. If you know how many haters you got, you don't have a good conscience. Because when you have a good conscience, you don't even know that people hating on you even when they talking crazy to you. You sitting up in church. We done had people do it. You sitting up in church talking about how somebody was looking at you crazy in church. You don't have a good conscience. You don't have a good conscience. No, 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 no. Let me take it. Let me take it further. You in church talking about you love Jesus whom you cannot see. And walk past your covenant brother or sister whom you see every time you up in this place. Wondering why your faith don't work. Wondering why you still broke. Wondering why you struggling in your finances and struggling in your body and in your relationships. You are being shipwrecked by a faulty, jacked up conscience. Jeremiah 17 said, who can know the heart? God got to try your heart. And then you justify why you egg at somebody. Don't have a good conscience, holding on that mess. That's why you still broke. And, and the fact of the matter is, I'm just going to tell it because this just family here. And if you mad, you know I ain't scared. We've been here before. Some of you, no, really, I ain't scared. Of, I, I ain't scared of nobody up in here. Hear me. Some of you been in the same situation for three years. Because you got offense shackled around your neck. Every time you break free of offense with one person, you find yourself offended with somebody else. You always ag at somebody. You always got to cut somebody off your life. Got a bad conscience. And let me tell you the truth. Most of the stuff that you accuse people of is who you really are. You always getting rid of people because they messy. If you ask people what they thought about you, they think you messy. You mad because somebody told your business? I want you to stop. Everybody in this church in the last year who have been mad because somebody told their business. And I just want to ask, your, ask, you, ask yourself one question. Have you ever told anybody else business? then you ought to shake that on off because I know you can't be mad at nobody for telling your business when you run around telling people business. It looked like to me that it is fruit from the tr from the seeds you sowed. Good conscience. Men of faith examine their conscience. Men of faith. Listen what the Bible says. The Bible says that strife allows every evil work to operate. When you get in strife with somebody, it will literally, and here's what you need to understand. When you operate in strife, the first thing the enemy comes back to do is to put you in bondage where you were previously in bondage. Before he tries to take new territory, so if money has always been your issue because your family operated under poverty and you get in strife, when the enemy comes back in your life, the first thing he do is shut down the flow of money in your life. Good conscience. You lying on your taxes? Good conscience. You getting money that you're not reporting? Good conscience, you claiming kids is not yours? Good conscience, 
Do you have a good conscience? If you don't have a good, do you give your boss your best? If you don't have a good conscience, it will shipwreck your faith. Number four, do you walk in love? Galatians 5 and 6. Faith worketh by love. I'm going to tell you this, Pastor Edwin, you can try to find it. You probably know where it is off the top of your head. If you a husband, you ought not ever be mad at your wife. The Bible says that when you deal treacherously with your wife, he don't even hear your prayers. So maybe the reason you ain't been loved very long enough to be doing track. Come up here and let me lay hands on you. Telling you, Pastor Edwin has learned that. I, I tell on myself, I got mad at Pastor Edwin last weekend. He wouldn't even get mad back. He would not get mad back. He like, I am not cutting off the flow of my prayer, fooling around with you. <laughs> anyway, it says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith worketh by love. And if you go over there and you read First John, you read all of First John. He says over and over again. He says, I know that you love me because you keep my commandments. He says, so if you got all of these people, whether you married or not, you got all these people that you always got some type of offense with. You always in some messy gossiping kind of conversation. He says, you're not walking by love and that hinders my ability to bless you. I know you just keeping it real, but you're keeping it real is keeping you broke. Keeping you real shipwrecked. Baby, did you find that scripture for me? First Peter three and seven. First Peter three and seven. You can't afford to be mad at people. You cannot afford to be mad at people. It says, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Not that she is weaker, but treat her like she is. As unto the weaker vessel and being heirs together for the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. See, wives, all you got to do is just get you some wisdom and be like, you want a first Peter three, seven today? You want to do that? (laughs) You don't want to do that today. Go ahead and let that go. You ain't really mad. You ain't really mad because I didn't wash them clothes. I'll get to them. Back up off me. (laughs) You back up off me. You are. You don't want to hinder your prayers because you mad at me over something temporal. Because if I didn't wash them clothes today, if I wash them today, they're going to be dirty tomorrow. And you go hinder your prayers because you mad because I didn't wash the clothes. That don't make sense. Amen. Hallelujah. Say I'm growing up. Every man of faith is committed to love. We forgive people all the time. What else she going to do? And then the third thing about not walking in love is that not walking in love opens you up for disease. If you read in Proverbs, it tells you that offense puts bitterness in your bones. Another word for bitterness in your bones is cancer. It's sickness. People are suffering from sickness because you are holding offense. I don't care what somebody did to you. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go before it kill you. We were at Elwin's 20-year reunion, and this guy walked up to this other guy 20 years later and said, I forgive you. He's all emotional and stuff. 
the guy don't even remember what the other guy was upset about. And the guy was so emotional, he just couldn't even, he was just like, all right, man, whatever I did, I'm sorry. That's what happens when you stay offended with people. You offended with people, you over there talking about them, you got all that stuff in your heart, they ain't think about you. And right, and not because they didn't try not to, just because they don't know you carrying all that stuff in your heart. And then the last one, am I focused? I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. The problem with most believers is that they have dual focus. I heard a man of God say this the other day. I thought it was one of the best things I had ever heard. He said, God said to him, you have two eyes. He said, take one of your eyes, look up to heaven, and the other one and look down. Try it right now. Let's see if it works. Take one of your eyes and look up. Take the other one of your eyes and look down. Can you do it? You cannot split your focus. Never think that you are looking to God when you are looking to other people. And many people are disappointed because you think you're looking to God, but you really are looking to other people. And how do you know when you're not looking to other people, when you start saying stuff like, well, why they didn't help me? I helped everybody when they was going through. You now aren't looking to God. I did all that stuff on my job, and then they overlooked me for the promotion. You are now looking to somebody other than God. The Bible says that promotion does not come from the north, from the south, east, or west, but it comes from God, which means that if God decides that he's ready to promote you, it ain't nobody who can stop you from being promoted, and you better understand that. Some of you sitting in this room right now about to walk away from a job that God didn't tell you to leave because you offended. But you thought you was trusting God, but you really weren't trusting God. Because if you was trusting God, you would be trusting God no matter what they said, still believing in what God said. Am I focused? Listen, guys, we wrapping up. We done. I might pass that when this is my first closing. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, if you don't live by faith, I don't care how much you love Jesus, you will live your life. Loving Jesus, getting the snot beat out of you. Because all of the promises of God are received by faith. I have to grow my faith up. I have to know that sickness is not the will of God. I have to train myself to hear word. I have to examine why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm not telling you anything any different than me and Pastor Edwin talk about. Like when we're like, when we decide that we're going to pay something a certain way, why did we decide to do it that way? And in reality, many times it's because you know somebody going to get paid on that day. But that's only trusting God if God said pay it on the day you get paid. If God didn't say it, you trusting you. Well, that don't make sense because the carnal mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. So we have to grow up and we have to understand there are so many things that God wants to do in your life. Let me tell you, in case you don't know, we are believing God that every partner in this church owns a home debt free. Every partner owns a home debt free. Every partner has reliable transportation. 
every partner makes a minimum of $40,000. And those of you who already make 40, the goal is to double your age. And if you've already doubled your age, then double that. But put your faith to work. Use your faith to get out of debt. Use your faith if you have a headache. Use your faith if you got a hangnail. Use your faith. Use your faith. Faith grows because you use it. I'm going to give you some real practical things you can do to use your faith. Use your faith for parking spots. Use your faith for parking spots. You say, I don't care whether I walk or not. So what? Use your faith for parking spots because it lets you see that God so cares about the timing of your life that he will have. Notice, you'll get good at it and he'll say, don't go down that aisle. Go down this aisle right there. And it won't look like nothing happening. And as soon as you get in front of a car, they break lights to come on and they'll come out. Use your faith. Use your faith for happy meals. No, I'm trying to help you. You're trying to use your faith for a $400 light bill and you've never even used your faith for a sonic um, drink. Use your faith. Amen. I had a lady tell me this story. She'd been coming to Bible study in Northwest Arkansas. She said she only had the money to get two drinks from Sonic. She said she ordered two drinks for her sons, but she really wanted a Diet Coke. She said, God said to her, you don't think I can get you a Diet Coke? He said, order the Diet Coke. She said she orders the Diet Coke and looks in her purse and finds some money. It's enough money to pay for the Diet Coke. When the lady comes out to bring her the Diet Coke and she tries to give her the money, the lady says to her, somebody inside already paid for it. If God, hear me, if God cares whether you drink a Diet Coke, then surely... Surely, God care if you eat breakfast, whether you pay your bills, whether you walk into work, whether you got to pray in tongues to crank your car up. God cares about that. Now, now hear me. If you got to pray in tongues to crank your car up, that's good. But that not ought to be your life every day. Now, if you got that kind of faith, that's good. Me and Edwin and um, my dear, we was in Con- I mean, in Little Rock one time. Remember that? The car went dead. We didn't know what was wrong with it. We found out later that a wire. No, no, no. Later it was a wire, remember? We found out this wire that shorted out the car. No, we've run out of gas a lot of times, but that wasn't the time. I'll tell y'all about why we run out of gas later. All right. But anyway, so we're in the car, me, Edwin, Mudir, Jamar, and Taylor. And Taylor is a little bitty kid. And we're all going, what we go do? She said, start. And she said, turn the ignition, daddy. She turned that thing cranked up. I'm telling you, your faith will work, but you ought not want to have to every morning go out there talking about, come on, Jesus. You ought not want to have to do that. Use your faith. Listen, hear me. I just heard God say this. For those of you who are believing God to get out of debt, for those of you who are believing God specifically for houses and to pay off houses, I'm about to give you an instruction. If your natural budget pays for your rent or your mortgage, believe God for additional mortgage payments. Believe God. 
And then when God gives you money, use the money for what you will believe in God for. Believe God for offering. Believe God for whatever you need. Start somewhere and then keep a journal. Pastor Edwin and I have journals of things that we like. We believe God for $2,000 and here's what happened. Or we believe God for $300 and here's what happened. You you keep it and it builds your faith. You say, for healing. Okay, I believe God for healing. And then lastly, I'm going to tell you, you need to obey God. And this is a story that I told him in Northwest Arkansas, so I'm going to tell y'all. Um. The week, the week before my anniversary, the Lord gave me a word. He said, stop eating sweets and meat. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. So I stopped eating meats and sweets for like five days. And it was great because some other people were fasting about some things. But what had happened was, is that it was my anniversary. And Pastor Elwin didn't get to come home on our anniversary. I'm just telling you because you know how y'all do. Don't act like I'm the only one. So Pastor Edwin didn't come home on the anniversary. So then what I said was that since he didn't get to come home on the anniversary, that at least I could eat meat the next day. Now, that's what I said. Y'all know y'all done done that before. Quit playing with me. So, so anyway, so I ended up, I didn't just eat meat. Then I got excited because I was like, well, he only going to be in town for two days. So I'm going to really celebrate while he's here, right? And so I ate some meat and I ate some ice cream, and then the next day we went to the Marlowe's house, and um, they had hamburgers, and I ate a hamburger, and maybe two, and then they had um, some strawberry cake, and I know I ate two pieces of that, and I wanted to take a piece, but I just thought that was a bit much. <laughs> and so then the next day, Pastor Ed was going out of town, so then in order to comfort myself, I decided, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Right. No, I'm just telling you. Well, I was like, you know, I mean, if I just got to be here by myself, then the least I should do. (laughs) The least I can do is give me a piece of carrot cake. Now, let me tell you something. Carrot cake is 15 miles away from me. I got in my car knowing that God said, now, I done ate all this other stuff, but at least that stuff was in my face. I got in my car, drove to Bentonville to get me a piece of carrot cake. As I'm getting the carrot cake, I hear the Lord say, didn't I tell you you need to get rid of meat and sweet? Yes. And after I eat half of this carrot cake, I will. <laughs> so I come home and I'm like, well, if I'm really about to have to go on lockdown, I might as well eat all my favorite foods. I stop by and get me some tacos. Okay. So I mean, tacos with meat and carrot cake, right? I did. I showed out. I showed out. Literally, hear me, as I'm eating it, I can feel my allergies to act up. Now, y'all been there before. Whatever your sin is, you whatever your struggle is, you know it's going bad. But you're like, I'm already in it now. I'm like, I already can't breathe. I might as well go for broke. Hey, I'm going to eat all this carrot cake. I didn't want nobody to have any. I took the carrot cake. I didn't want the kids to ask none. So I, so I was sitting here on the couch and it was in this little black thing and it was a little black pillow and I put the little pillow in front of it like this. And then when they would go downstairs, I eat some of the cake and when I heard somebody coming, I close it back up because I wouldn't go get nobody none of my cake. And I was like, now as this is happening, I'm starting not to be able to breathe. 
But I'm like, well, shoot, if we go go on and have to not eat no meat and no sweets, I might as well go and get me a sweet tea and put it on top of this. <laughs> Needless to say, I eat all my cake, all my tacos, and all, drink all my sweet tea. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I can't breathe a lick. Nothing. Head totally shut up. Not like the kind of breathe where you got to breathe with your mouth open. And so, like, of course, then when you do that, that's like thinking you're pregnant. You start repenting quick. You're like, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. If you just tell me this time, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. I won't never do it no more, Jesus. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Anyway, so this is what the Lord told me. The Lord said, you are forgiven. He said, now forgive yourself so we can clear this up quickly. And he taught me how when once people make a mistake, what they do is beat themselves up because they made the mistake. And then now they feel like that they have to keep going through something because they deserve it. All right. So let me tell you, because I'm not through telling you my story, how crazy this is. So now I decide now all God told me to do was not eat what? But I decided because I had done something I didn't have no business doing that I should have a total fast. All right. I should have a total fast because I needed to show the Lord that I was serious and I could obey him. Right. So I am in my second day. I am so hungry. And the Lord says, is it not just easier to do what I ask? Is it not just, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm talking to some. Is it not just easier to do what I said? He said, I told you, you can eat anything you want except for meats and sweets. Did I tell you that to be mean or did I tell you that because allergy season is coming? You right, Lord. I'm sorry. Then do what I said. Literally, literally. I started eating what he told me to eat, and within four hours, I could breathe. Because it don't take God all day. So whatever it is, stand to your feet. Come on. Whatever area you've been disobedient in.